Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller of Project Grand Slam, and you're listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast, the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus podcast. Uh, to be specific, we've got another interview today with uh, Robert Miller of Project Grand Slam. So I'm really excited to talk to Robert. Uh, we'll get with him in just one second here. Uh, first, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is pplmag.com. That's Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, online community, and business directory. You can watch and uh, listen to uh, uh, video and audio produced by the members of the community. There's a lot of great articles, coupons. is a great way to find businesses. You can even start your own magazine page and publish your own content. Uh, it's a great place to be seen and heard by about a million unique visitors each month. That is Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, pplmag.com. Um, as I was telling you guys, uh, you are listening to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, and the website for that is ludinirockandrollcircus.com. Not Houdini, but Ludini, that's L-O-U, not H-O-U. Uh, so ludinirockandrollcircus.com, you want to check that out. There is uh, uh, three uh, interviews are published every week, as well as a music podcast that we put out every uh, Saturday with my uh, lovely and talented co-host, Miss Katie Simone, from right here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, we have Robert Miller, uh, the leader of the band, uh, of the pro- uh, project, Project Grand Slam. Uh, it, it's an acclaimed jazz rock fusion band, uh, combining the power and uh, beat of rock with the complexity and improvisation of jazz with a jam band sensibility. I'd like to also add they've got a great Latin uh, influence as well. Um, they do some very cool uh, reinterpretations of songs by people like uh, Jimi Hendrix and Ray Davies. It's a really neat um, take on, on a lot of stuff, and they bring in a lot of very cool sounds, a hint of world beat there, too. Very great stuff. Uh, Robert, uh, welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. How are you? I am just great, thank you, and thanks for having me, Lou. No problem, buddy. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, How did you, uh, how did you get bit by uh, the music bug, number one? And number two, <clears throat> What made, what made you decide on the bass guitar? Well, I started out uh, very, very young. My father was a musician, played the trumpet. And, uh, in fact, he, he told me uh, a long time ago that he named me Robert Miller because he thought that that was a great name for a band leader. Mm. True story. So, yeah. um, anyway... I was told basically from around the time I could walk and talk that um, I was going to play an instrument. So the question was, what instrument? And my dad thought it would be a great idea to start me out on piano because that's kind of the king of all instruments. You get so much from piano. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't love it, and I didn't want to practice too much. So my parents said, okay, uh, not a problem, but you got to pick something else. So I picked the trumpet because my dad played the trumpet. And uh, I played the trumpet 
throughout uh, junior high and high school, you know, in the orchestra, in the band, in anything that I could find. And it was, you know, it was pretty good. I enjoyed playing the trumpet, except right around that time that I was talking about, um, this little group from Liverpool, England came out and they all played guitars and everybody else in England at the time played guitars. And I'm the only guy sitting there playing trumpet. So wow. trumpet was not very cool at the time. <laughs> cool time. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to be cool, right? When you're a little kid. Um, so I, a couple of friends of mine and I, we, we all bought acoustic guitars and we're trying to teach ourselves how to play guitar. And we learned how to play a chord here or a chord there. And then we, we, we looked at the Beatles and, and all the other groups. And we said, you know, the makeup of these groups, they always had like, like two guitars, one lead, one rhythm. Then they had this guy playing bass guitar and they had drummer and whatever else. So we decided that somebody in our group had to be the bass guitar player. And the problem was that the other two guys that I was playing with at the time, they didn't know any music at all. They, they were totally starting from square one. They okay. couldn't even read the treble clef. And I, because of trumpet, I knew how to read the treble clef. So they all voted, and, and I voted with them, that I would be the guy to learn how to read the bass clef. Ah. And that's the entire reason why I became a bass player, because I could learn the bass clef. <laughs> Ah, okay. So, so because a lot of uh, musicians uh, are self-taught, and it's been these days. A lot of musicians don't. You put a bass clap or a hard treble clap in front of them, and they don't. They don't even know. You know, it's like looking at Chinese. So <laughs> you, so you, you were able to. Did you teach yourself the bass clap, or or did or did that come from because you had some piano background? I'm very good at the Chinese bass clef too. <laughs> Um, uh, no, I just, I kind of taught myself cause mm. I, you know, th there are certain acronyms and the like you can, you can use. I mean, it's not very hard to teach yourself uh, one of the clefts. It's just that, you know, we were young and we're starting out and I, I just volunteered to do, to do the bass. And of course, you know, I fell in love with the instrument so that it, it became a whole different thing, but that was the initial reason why I started playing the bass. Um, but but you kept on doing it, and obviously at some point you drifted away from rock and roll and into jazz. Now tell us a little bit about that transition. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, for the I would say until I was about 19 or 20, I mean, I only played rock and roll, and and yeah. I was only interested in what was happening on the radio, and you know all the great bands that were out. You know, I'm a child of the '60s. That's when I grew up. That's when I kind of came of age musically. So you had just so many great bands, so many great musicians in the, in the '60s and into the early '70s. That you know, I I, I just loved all that music, and it's come back um, as you mentioned in your opening because I, I've I've brought that that interest in classic rock even into my, in my, into my jazz playing. But anyway, when I was about 19 years old during the summer, I signed up for a music course uh, here in New York City at Brooklyn College. They, just, they offered a music course. I really didn't have much musical training. I had one year of formal training in high school um, other than playing the trumpet and picking up the guitar and, and bass on my own. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be a great idea if I got a little bit of training. And 
So they, they had a, a course that, for the summer, and part of the course was that they set you up with a teacher. And lo and behold, who did they set me up with but a guy named Jimmy Garrison. Now, Jimmy Garrison happened to be John Coltrane's bass player. Uh-huh. And uh, any of your listeners that, you know, if you don't know who John Coltrane was, he was one of the greatest musicians ever produced in this country. Great, great jazz musician. And Jimmy Garrison, as I said, was his bass player for many years. And he was just the nicest guy. Um, and as soon as I got with him, you know, he, he could see immediately that I, I kind of knew how to play rock and roll, but I didn't know much beyond that. And he said, you know, can I can I show you some other things on the bass? And one of them, the first thing that he said was, I got to teach you how to walk on the bass. Um, do you know what that expression means, Lou? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Well, yes, for your I listeners, do. you know, walking on the bass means, you know, if, if it's a 4-4 four, four beat, it's a boom, 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 boom. It's like a walk kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to know, you know, what notes to play on a particular chord, in between chords. You know, there's a, there's an art and a technique to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started me out. The first song that he gave me was a, a, a standard called All the Things You Are. Beautiful I, song. It, it is a gorgeous song. I, yeah. And I think, of, I think of him every time I hear that song played at a wedding or wherever. But he used that song as an example of how to teach me how to do this walking thing on the bass. And it was kind of an evolving thing from there. And I spent six months studying with him. And then I decided I was going to go back to college. I went to college in Boston and I said to Jimmy, is there anybody up in Boston that, that I could, uh, that you could recommend that I, that I talk with and play with. And he gave me the, the name and number of a guy. He said, look, this is the guy I want you to go see. Um, he's he's a professional musician, but he's also um, uh, he he knows everybody in the industry. Everybody that comes to town goes goes through him. He'll be a great guy to start with, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I did. I went back to Boston. I, I met up with this fellow, and uh, from there, you know, I just was in a great place because it was the 1970s, and so much was happening in music, so much was happening in jazz. Um, Jazz evolved in that time period into uh, jazz fusion, which was right up my alley because this was a combination and essentially of of jazz and rock, and there were some great great groups that that were dominant at that time in, in this music. Uh, Weather Report is the one that most people know, which was just you know incredible musicians. Chick Corea had a band called Return to Forever. Right. John McLaughlin had a band yeah. called the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Mm, yeah. I mean, these these guys were just, you know, amazing musicians. I, uh, had, I, I interviewed yeah. Larry Coriel recently. Did and, you? Uh, yeah. So I mean, he was part of that. You know, uh, you know, the birthing of the you know the jazz fusion thing. I'm sorry, I just wanted, just wanted to kind of. No, that's cool. And you're right. They're great musicians. And Miles Davis eventually went into this as well when he when he did the record Bitches Brew. Right. And, you know, I, I tell people that the first time I saw Miles Davis play live, it was at the Fillmore East. And he was the opening act for The Who. Can <laughs> wow. you imagine that? Yeah. But, you know, Bill, Bill Graham was so smart because what he, he mixed and matched genres all the time at the Fillmore East. Nowadays, 
uh, clubs rarely do that, which is a big, big mistake. I mean, you had a whole generation of kids that were introduced to some of the greatest blues musicians and jazz musicians and kind of non-mainstream rock musicians because they got paired with terrific rock and roll acts that were the you know the headliners. Yeah. But you know, you go to see the Who, and all of a sudden Miles Davis is on the stage. It's a mind-blowing experience. Who was on so, bass on that tour? Do you remember? On on in, when was Miles that time? Um, it, you know, I don't know for sure. It might have been okay. Dave Holland, but I'm not mm-hmm. positive who was doing it. <laughs> Just what do you remember? Yeah. Anyway, I I love I love the combination of jazz and rock. What I always loved about rock was the power, the intensity of rock and roll. And what I like about jazz is, you know, it's it's a it's a more complex, more evolved kind of music, but it, it gets very dense and it, and it gets difficult for a lot of people to kind of understand, um, depending upon the context that, that you're listening to it and, and what kind of jazz it is. And I said, you know what, when, when I want to play this music, I, I want to have melodies like in, in rock and roll and, and in traditional music, uh, any kind of contemporary music, melodies that you can remember and, and sing and love. You know, it's like going to a Broadway show and you want to come out being able to sing one of the tunes from the show. Yeah. Um, so with me, it was always melody first. I wanted great melodies that people could, could get into and could remember. And then I wanted to have, you know, the beat that goes along with it, whatever that beat might be. I wanted a groove. I wanted something that people could latch onto. And then I wanted to add into that the improvisational aspect of it, which, among other things, makes it different every single time you play it. And for me, that's really important because, you know, pop music is basically, it's, it's, you replicate it exactly every single time you play it. And what is so interesting about jazz and, and the jazz fusion that I play is that although the, the parameters are kind of the same each time, it's the same tune, it's the same melody, it's the same framework, within all of that, it's different every time you play it. I want to talk to you a little bit about why that is, um, because, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors in that. You know what I mean? It's the night, it's the feeling, it's the sort of vibe, it's, you know, you know the, it, it, it's the room, it's the audience, it's the response and everything. But before we do that, I want to give everybody a taste of what it is that you, that you guys do, because it's very, very cool. Um, what I love about your uh, music, Robert, is that um, that it does have that density. It does have that uh, like that texture and those that complexity, but it's totally access- accessible. You know what I mean? Like even even if you're not a musician or even if you're not, you can still like groove to it and get into it and really enjoy it. And like you said, the melodies are there. Um, but it, it's sort of like you've got the two things going on. You're kind of sneaking in some places because I'm a musician myself, so I can kind of hear where you're kind of sneaking in some really in, intric, intricate harmonies and chord work and stuff like that, but it just comes across. It's just totally grooving. So I think that that's really exciting about what you're doing. But um, let's go ahead. I, we have the, we were going to play the song uh, from the title song from your new album, Queen's Carnival. So we're going to go ahead and take a listen to that. And then we're going to come back, and I want to talk about uh, the record and what, you're, and what you're doing and playing live and everything. Okay, does that sound all right? Sounds great. 
All right. Hey, guys, uh, this is the title track off of uh, Project Grand Slam's uh, latest release. This is Queen's Carnival. Check it out on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. All right, Robert. Now that has 
like a kind of like world beat sort of Latin feel. Tell tell us about the uh, origination of that song. Um, sure. Well, you're right. It, it's definitely got a Latin feel, and I, I wrote it that way intentionally. Um, when I was young again, and uh, I mentioned that I started out playing trumpet. My father was a musician. Well, one of the things that I used to do with my dad, we used to drive around, you know, wherever in the New York area, and he'd have the radio on. And at that time, it was only only AM radio. And he always gravitated to the Spanish radio stations. So Mm. all the beats, all the, the, the influence that I got driving around with my dad, hearing the Spanish music, it just got inside of me. And for years, you know, in other contexts as well, I used to, I, I always did something that, or, or I put something into a song that reminded me of that. With this number, though, um, I just, it just came to me one evening. I was just kind of playing around, and I literally had the image of a carnival in my head, and that's how I, I named it the way I did. At, at first, I was thinking I was going to name it the Queens Carnival, as in Queens, New York, because that's mm-hmm. where I was born. And then I said, no, that's a little bit too pedestrian. And I had just done a song the year before called New York City Groove. I said, no, I don't want to do too much with the New York thing. So I said, well, let me put a little apostrophe in there. Let's make it regal. And let's call it the Queens, you know, her carnival. Mm. So that that's the way I decided to name the thing. And when I brought it to my, my band, you know, I play with a, a, a terrific bunch of guys. Uh, they're much younger than me. They're very talented. They're all um, uh, educated at some of the best music schools around. And they're all from other countries originally. Hmm. I, I call them my international cartel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, for example, on the record, um, my guitar player is from the Dominican Republic. My uh, uh, keyboard player is from Cuba by way of Italy. Uh, my drummer and saxophone player are both from Puerto Rico, and my uh, percussionist is from Mexico. So you yeah. get the idea. Um, and when I brought the song to them, and it's got this you know, very strong Latin feel to it, their eyes kind of bugged out because they said, hey, what the heck is this guy writing this kind of song for? But their background, you know, uh, worked perfectly with the song yeah. because they, you know, they, they just, this comes so naturally to them. So it was a real great combination. And then one last thing I'll say, which I, I found kind of interesting, when the whole song was completed in the studio and we kind of heard everything back with the overdubs and all of that stuff, I said to myself, it's missing something. And I couldn't put my finger on it for a moment. And then I said, I know what it is. This is a carnival. I said, I need people. I need, and I didn't want carnival sounds. That wasn't what I was after. But I said to the guys, go back in the studio and get around the microphone. And we're going to replay the track. And I want you guys to just feel it and react. So here you have, you know, five guys standing around a microphone. They're hearing the track. They're clapping, they're screaming, they're laughing, they're, they're shouting in Spanish, and that's what you hear in the background. That's the background to the track. Yeah, that definitely brings a, like, a real, you know, the song is festive anyways. But with that, it really feels like, hey, we're at the party. <laughs> that's it. You're at the fiesta. 
<laughs> um, so, so how do you, you know, you're a bass player. And so tell us how you write. Do you write on the bass? Do you sit with the piano? Do you work with other people? Like, how do you put, put, put the music together? Well, you're not going to believe it, but you're right. I do write on the bass. Okay, um, cool. I, I typically, I, I mean, this sounds crazy, but I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit, you know, by myself. I got my little, I got my iPhone. And I'll start fooling around on the bass, and maybe I'll come up with a, a groove or a lick. And once I have that, um, I'll put the iPhone on video and just kind of put it down flat. Mm-hmm. And I'll play the groove, and I'll sing something that comes to me over what I'm playing. So here, here you have a guy sitting around in a room. Maybe I got my underwear on. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm holding the bass. I'm holding the bass. I'm playing something, and I'm singing. You know, I don't have a good singing voice at all, but I'm singing over this thing just so I can, can have something, you know, recorded, because otherwise I'm going to forget what it is that I've got. And I do this all the time, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute or something like that. I just get this stuff down, and this is the easiest way for me to do it. I don't have a reel-to-reel tape recorder or anything like that. I just use my iPhone. And then I'll go back, you know, a day or a week later. I'll listen to it. I'll say, hmm, did this work? You know, what can I do with this? Um, And, you know, most of the time I, I, I find something, and I know that I can take it somewhere else, and I can complete it. And occasionally I'll say, you know, I don't know what the hell you were thinking, Miller. Forget about this. But but that's kind of how I write. And then when I, I, I put it down, I do know how to write music, although I'm not terribly skilled at it, but I'm I'm okay. And I also write in, in odd meters. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the yeah. things on the album are in 7-4 time, meaning there's seven beats to a measure instead of the usual four or eight. I don't know exactly why I do that. I used I I think I got that a lot from listening to Sting because Sting likes to write in odd meters as well and I was always uh, that always endeared me. I I really like that. And writing in 7 is very cool. I used I write in 5 4 as well. But anyway, I'll write the thing out and I'll kind of put simple chords in 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 the uh in the sheet music and all I'm doing is writing out the melody and the chords. I'm not writing the, an entire orchestration because what I like to do at that point is bring it to the band. And I say to them, fellas, here's something new. This is what I have in mind. And we start with almost, you know, with nothing more than what I've just described. Yeah. And then stuff happens. And almost every time it's great stuff. And I'll give you an example. On the record, um, there's a song called The Rescue. It was the first single that we put out from the record. It's the number two track on the record. And um, it was the last song that I wrote for the album. It, and I named it The Rescue because it kind of rescued me. I needed one more song for the album. Okay. And uh, so I had in my mind that I was going to do something that sounded like the cream cream's version of crossroads now, i don't know yeah. if you guys if you know that but that was yeah. always my mm-hmm. favorite live rock and roll cut of all time okay i thought it was a magnificent cut it was on the wheels of fire album anyway i had in my mind that i was going to do something with that kind of groove that kind of beat and and my chords my melody 
So I bring it to the guys, and we start playing it exactly that way. And about 30 seconds later, I stopped them. I said, this is terrible. This is just awful. And the guitar player at that moment started playing this little funky thing, a la like a James Brown. And all of a sudden, we all just started playing the song with that kind of funky beat to it. And voila, that was the rescue. I mean, we did it basically in one take. So you were rescued twice. The song rescued, rescued you and your guitar twice. player rescued you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. And then one more time, I can tell you another little story. Another thing that I like to do, I, I alluded to this before, is I like to take old classic rock songs and reimagine them, update them, make them my own, You know, change them around to the point where you can barely recognize what they are, but you know exactly what it is. And right. hopefully you improve upon it. So last time around, I did that with a Jimi Hendrix song called Fire. Yes, and, great. Um, great. I want to tell the audience, too. Look that up on YouTube. It's a, a fantastic uh, uh, video. Very cool. Well, I thanks just, so uh, when, much. When I was waiting for you to get on the call, I was I share I shared that on my Facebook. I'm like, you guys got to check this out. But go ahead. Yes, yes, do that. Very cool. Um, it was it, it was great fun to do it. And, and and when I did that one, I had this this lady named Kat Roby Show, who was a finalist on The Voice, and she um, sang the song and did the video with us. She was just terrific. But anyway, this time around, I said, I'm going to pick another classic rock song. And I, one of my great, great favorite groups of all time was the Kinks. You know, Ray Davies, Dave Davies, um, a great group from England. And one of their big hits was a song called You Really Got Me. And it's a very fast, very hard rocking kind of song. It's almost like the forerunner of grunge. And right. it, it's a wonderful song. Okay. Um, but I don't want to just take it and do it the same way. I don't find that to be of interest at all. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really change this thing around. And when we initially did it, I, I had this singer come in and we were all ready to do it. And I said, okay, let's do it like this. And she, and we start playing and she starts singing. And I, again, like in 30 seconds or so, I said, Oh no, this, this is awful. I said, this is, this reminds me of like Charday singing at a bar mitzvah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it it just had no balls to it. It had no punch. No, right. it, it didn't have anything. So I said, okay, we got to toughen this up. And I went back and I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna toughen this thing up. And I came back the next rehearsal and I said, okay, guys, let's try it this way. And you know, again, it worked. And you know, yeah. you know it when it works. You you know it when it doesn't work, and you know it when it works. Um, before we uh, move on, before we wrap, as we're getting ready to wrap up, tell us a little bit about the live because you said that you guys do, you do, you do, you guys do jam, and that you know the songs take on different characters depending on what night um, and where you're playing and all that. So tell us a little bit. Go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the live uh, experience of sure. uh, Part of the Grand. Well, we, you, we, we just... are you guys gigging a lot? You guys are playing regularly. Yeah, we 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 do play an awful lot, and in fact, we just played last night. Uh, last evening, we opened for a guy named Boney James, who is a very well-known uh, artist, uh, basically in the smooth jazz genre. But um, and we played at a place called the Ridgefield Playhouse in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and it was a terrific place to play. And 
you know, what was so interesting, he's, he plays smooth jazz, so that's not really what we play. But he's a very nice guy, and he, he allowed us to open for him. This is the second time that we've opened for him. And, of course, his audience is there to hear him, and they're, they're there to hear his smooth jazz. But at the same time, you know, these are kind of contemporaries of mine. There are a lot of baby boomers in the audience, and they're just appreciative of music. And, by, and we only played 40 minutes, eight songs, and we ended with, we played You Really Got Me. We, we ended with Fire, which is always our closer. And by the end, um, not that it was different all the way through, but at the end, we get, we get a standing ovation from this group. And they call us back to go, you know, to take a bow as, as a band. Now, we're, we're an opening act at, the, at that moment. But it, it was so, it, it was such a great feeling. You know, as an yeah. artist, what, what do you look for? You look for that, that connection, that love from the audience. And we got that in spades. And that inspires you. When you're up on the stage and people are digging it and they're grooving and they're, they're moving, they're dancing. Same thing when we play Queen's Carnival. I mean, I said to them, don't feel like you can't move. You know, get up and dance to this one. We had a whole bunch of people get up and dance because it's the kind of song you just can't sit yeah. still for. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, that's why I love to play live. Um, not only are the songs, they always come out different. As I said, the musicians might, you know, maybe I'll have a different guy playing one instrument from time to time or another instrument, but we're playing in a different venue. We're playing to a different audience. It's, it's a hall. It's a club. It's big. It's smaller. The sound is good. The sound is not so good. You know, all of these things affect the quality of the, of the performance, even though you, you want to have it come out pretty much the same every time. It, it, it can't. And, and if you want it to be exactly the same, then you're in the wrong business of doing what I do. Yeah, then, then then you might as well go play pop, right? Exactly. Then you know, then you're you're out there and you're recreating the song note for note every single time, and I, I have nothing against it, but it's that's not what I want to do. Right, and and I mean, and there's a lot of uh, acts over the years in rock and uh, as well as jazz, of course, who have sort of made their name doing that. Like, the, I mean, you know, the first one that comes to everybody's mind is probably the Grateful Dead. Um, but you know, there's government mules, a more contemporary, uh, uh, example of that. Um, but there's, you know, there are people that love that, you know, what, you know, what are, how are they going to, you know, what are they going to do tonight? You know, so that, that I think adds excitement, um, to an, to a band like Project Grand Slam is like, okay, so well, we saw them two weeks ago, but they're in it's a different room and they're opening for somebody else or somebody else opening for them and, you know, and going and kind of hearing the sort of like, because it's a conversation, you know, it's a conversation with the musicians on stage. It's a conversation with the audience, too. You're totally That's right. You know, one, one of the bands, my, I have uh, two son-in-laws, and they're both um, uh, fish freaks, okay? Yeah, the band fish. fish. The band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, and what they love is the improvisational abilities of that band. And I, I think they're a great band as well. And... My, I bet that if we were on the stage with them, they would dig what we're doing just as I dig what they're doing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, within their genre, they're doing the same kind of thing. They're setting the framework of every song, but it's going to come out a little bit different every single time. And that's why all their fans, you know, constantly trade and, and barter all the different recordings, just like the Grateful Dead fans used to, because this stuff was always going to be a little bit different each time it's played. 
Uh, absolutely, and that, that really, like we said, uh, adds to the excitement of it. Uh, Robert, uh, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell uh, the folks at home uh, where they can find you on the Internet and uh, keep up with uh, everything that you have going on? Sure. Thank you so much. Um, so the, the best way to stay in touch with us is go to our website, which is just uh, projectgrandslam.com. And uh, we've got a newsletter sign-up um, that you'll see in the first couple of seconds you get on the page. All of our music, all of the reviews, and we've had spectacular reviews of this new record, Lou. I yeah. mean, we've gotten, in the last month, we've gotten about a dozen different reviews, and they're all four- and five-star reviews. They're just just very heartening to get this kind of stuff. So um, we have all the music, we have all our videos, we have all our stories, we have all the bios of the various people that play with me. So it's a really complete kind of compendium. And then the other place that they should check out is our Facebook page, which is just Project Grand Slam uh, on, you know, on Facebook. I mean, for example, last night, as I said, when we played at the, the, the Ridgefield Playhouse, um, we, we had somebody doing Facebook Live videos of all the songs. So, you know, even though the the audio is not spectacular because it's being recorded, you know, via Facebook, you get a really good sense of how the band sounds live. So, and, and we've got so many other things that we put on that um on, on Facebook as well. And of course, we've got Twitter and all the other things that everybody has to have these days. Uh just in case uh, anybody missed that, that is projectgrandslam.com. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash Project Grand Slam. And Twitter, same thing. It's uh, the, 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 uh, the, the name on Twitter is Project uh, GR, but not exactly Grand, Project GRND Slam, no A. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. For some reason, I don't know why they wouldn't let us have the A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they have, there's, a, there's a limit on the characters. But anyway, I think hey, Robert, that's it. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us and uh, telling us a little bit about your story. I could go on and ask you a gazillion other things about the guitars you play and all the other bass players you love, but we might have to save that for for uh, maybe another conversation. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. If you could hang on for a minute while I wrap up the podcast, I need to get a little information from you uh, uh, off the air. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for having me, though. No problem. Hey, guys, this is uh, you've been listening to my uh, talk with Robert Miller of Project Grand Slam. I want to plug their website one more time. That is projectgrandslam.com. Just a freaking amazing uh, group of musicians. Very cool songs. Great interpretations of some of these classic rock songs. If you guys follow me on Facebook, I just posted um, uh, their version of Fire. Uh, if it's not to be not to be missed, you want to check it out. That is projectgrandslam.com. Uh, one more shout out to my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is pplmag.com. Go check them out. They've been supporters of the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus for uh, a long time now, so we really appreciate them. Uh, also, uh, just uh, you can follow whatever we have going on by going to ludinirockandrollcircus.com. Uh, we've, we're putting up about three interviews now a week. We have a, a tremendous backlog. <laughs> and uh, every Saturday is a new uh, music podcast with my uh, lovely uh, and talented uh, co-host, Miss Katie Simone, uh, very uh, well-loved and uh, well-received uh, vocalist here in the Pittsburgh area. So if you want to check that out, that is ludinirockandrollcircus.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening. My name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. Thanks uh, for having uh, Robert Miller from Project Grand Slam on the air with us today. And we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 